Hello and welcome to episode three of the Nature Friendly Farming Network podcast, the podcast where we talk to various different farmers who come together to champion a way of farming which is sustainable and good for nature. They come from a range of backgrounds, big and small, organic and conventional, but the one thing they have in common is a passion for ensuring our countryside is productive and bursting with wildlife. I'm Will Evans, one of your hosts. And I'm Ben Eagle, also one of your hosts. Now, we started off in England with episode one, then we ventured north to Scotland for episode two. But today, we're delighted to be heading over the Irish Sea to Northern Ireland to talk to livestock farmer and ecological consultant, Michael Mahag. Michael, a very warm welcome to the show. Let's start off with the area that you live. Um, tell us a bit about that. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, it's, it's great to, to talk to you about the, the interest that we have in nature-friendly farming. Um, yes, I'm, I farm uh, several areas, but uh, the home farm is just outside Belfast. We're, we're in a Belfast postcode and Belfast phone code, so we're, we're on the edge of, of our major city in Northern Ireland. Typically in Northern Ireland, the average farm size is about 25 hectares, um, and, and that makes it difficult for, for a, a viable farm. And so over the years, people pick up other little bits of, of ground if it becomes available or through a system called Conacre, rent in additional land. And so my farm now is, is around 250 hectares, and I graze uh, on five different sites, um, and uh, the, these make up the home farm. Great. I mean, you're a zoologist by training. Um, did you have an interest in animals and the environment from, from a young age? Tell us about your life growing up. So, so yes, my, my growing up, um, my, my mother uh, was born on the farm, and uh, and moved into Belfast uh, whenever she got married. I was brought up in Belfast during the, the 1960s, 70s, and, and so on. So uh, the farm was a great place to go to at weekends to get away from what was happening in the city at that time. And my grandfather, my uncle who, who farmed there, um, I spent just my childhood and holidays on the farm helping out but also living that sort of free-range, open life that, that you do if you've got access to, to an area like that. Mm. So what, what about the farm itself then? How, you said your mother was born there. How long have your family been there in total? And perhaps, perhaps you could just give us a brief overview of the farm business as well. Certainly. Our farm has been in, in the family, I suppose our farming has been in the family in both generations uh, going back in, in, its, in our ancestry. Um, on, on my mother's side of the farm, the, the family had a tragedy where they had farmed originally in and around the, 19, uh, the, the turn of the century, 1900, and they moved away from the farm they had then to the, the current home farm. So it was, it was my grandfather's and, and then more recently my uncle's land. Uh, they farmed originally mixed farming with, with crops, even flax, I think, way back in time moved forward to focus more with intensively, intensively on dairying. And then as time went by, they moved from the dairying to suck cows and beef. And uh, I've kept that tradition on in the farm with, with, with suckler cows. Um, whenever I got responsibility for the farm, some 30-odd years ago now, um, uh, it's, a, it's a big responsibility to, to, to own and, and manage land. Um, I, I was working at the time, worked for the Environment Agency in Northern Ireland, and so it was part-time farming very much. I kept a, f a few stock, nothing very intensive, and some of the land was, was set in Conacre to, to other farmers. Um, but as time went by, my interest 
increased. I, I had a very strong interest in, in native breeds and in particular an Irish native breed. And I started a small herd, herd of Irish moiled cattle. And as my interest in, in farming increased and our family grew and, and their interest in, in uh, sort of being again, having the opportunities that, that I'd had as a child to, to live and play and, and have fun in and around a, a farming situation grew, we tended to spend more time and more focus to the point where I decided to switch from the, the uh, government job, the environment agency job, across to a, a job where, where I, was, I was farming more intensively and then using my, my environmental knowledge to look at agri-environment type uh, consultancy work. So I've, I've expanded the farm up. Conservation grazing was, was a, a natural move within that. And so the way that, that I've, I've looked at the farm is farming in a very sustainable way, very, very minimal inputs, and looking to see where I could build a, a business around having traditional cattle graze land that is of high nature value in a way that will help the, the, the land and help the outputs off the land from an environmental point of view. And so now I farm 250 hectares of land, um, very mixed from, from upland to shoreline along the shores of, of Loch Ney and a special protection area. Uh, upland in an area of special scientific interest and uh, working on a special project at the moment uh, just coming to fruition with the historic palaces and gardens um, area at Hillsborough Castle in Belfast where there's intensive um, meadows there that we're hoping to turn over to um, species rich flower meadows using the traditional cattle. So I'm interested to know more about your cattle as a beef farmer myself. Um, tell us more about the breed. What are some of their characteristics? So the, the, the Irish Moiled is a very ancient breed of cattle in the, in the history uh, and the annals of, of, of Irish farming and, and Irish historical life. Um, the, the, um, the Irish Moiled cow is revered. It, it, it was the utility breed. It, it was uh, a cow that produced milk for the farm. It produced beef in the form of an animal and, you know, in the form of a carcass for, for wintering. And, and so it, it's been a, an animal that's been about for a long time. Within the Irish language, the, the name for the Milky Way is named after Anne Bofion, which is the, the white cow of Irish literature, a very revered <laughs> animal. So cool. And, and, wow. and so, and so it, it, it's a very ancient breed. Yeah. It, it's very closely related in phenotype and, and genetics to the Iceland native cow and the East Finn cow. So okay. Northwest Europe at a time when people, uh, people were traveling uh, around and about and maybe raiding cattle and moving cattle and so on, um, it seems that this breed of cattle was, was one of the ones that, that was very much part of the, that movement and so, and so forth. Within the Northern Ireland Biodiversity Strategy, it's a heritage breed and it's the, the one animal which in, in Northern Ireland is, is, or in Ireland as a whole is listed as, a, as an animal where low domestic it's part of the biodiversity strategy for for the island and uh, and so my interest in it was was very much from a, a nature conservation biodiversity point of view but also the, the grazing profile of the animal like a lot of native cattle is such that it, it's it, clearly it it has um, been in, 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 in engaged and involved in grazing uh, in Ireland for for centuries um, and therefore, it's adapted to the conditions that we have here. Mm. And that makes it a really good animal for grazing 
in, in high nature value settings. And in terms of your meat, you direct sell. Uh, that is, is, that, is that a relatively new venture or is that something you, you aim to start off with straight away? I think initially what we hoped to do was to raise cattle and, and have a, an animal that we could put into our freezer. And the, the thought of providing the family, I, I was lucky enough to, to take on and have the responsibility for, for looking after a family farm but with family and relations and so on. And I always thought it would be nice to be able to raise meat, to, to do it in a way that was, um, as, as I would call it, very sustainable. Um, and then to provide that uh, an element of food for ourselves and for the extended family. So that led on then to, to people locally and, and, and within our family circle and extended family of friends, hearing that, that you know, we had, in inverted commas, this special animal and special meat. And um, there are a lot of loyal customers we've just built up by word of mouth and just, you know, and, and, and not, not in terms of the, the, the word um, from a, a land management point of view, but just an organic building of the, of the, the market that we have. Yeah. I did, I did go into schemes um, and, and signed up to various schemes for the Irish Moiled Meat. There were a few premium schemes being run by a couple of, of, of butchers locally. And I suppose the highlight would be when the G8 came to Northern Ireland uh, for the big conference. Uh, two of our animals went to provide um, a meal for the likes of Obama, Putin, Angela wow. Merkel, David Cameron. Wow. And I suppose in terms of, of sort of being proud of, of, of our productivity, that's one thing that we were very yeah. uh, chuffed about. Yeah, what an accolade. I just, I just kind of would love to think of Angela Merkel sitting down to one of my steaks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But but that's that's where we are now. Um, I've I've kind of tried to to um, improve this, and we're currently involved now at the early stages of an agri food cooperation scheme, which is looking at sustainable productivity for Irish moil cattle, and the aims of that over the next two years is being funded through the regional development program in 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 Northern Ireland, is to get a group of Irish moil producers together in and around uh, a set area, around Loch Ney, and to um, have uh, three restaurants, three butchers, and, and three farm shops providing Irish moil meat and to get a market for the, the animal in, in a coordinated way. So that's, that's where we're, we're striving to get a little bit of a nucleus together of producers to show that it's a, there's a viable output there and a viable uh, source to, to supply meat through. That's absolutely brilliant, and and I, I hope that that's something that yeah that other other breeders could, could be doing elsewhere. Perhaps we could expand on some of the grazing areas you have there on the farm. It's an incredible diverse range of sites that you have, isn't it? I think I think you said there's five different sites there. Yes, um, so five different sites. Um, so there's the home farm, uh, which which was uh, traditionally fairly intensively farmed by by my my uh, grandfather and, and my uncle. So it was, um, it was a beef farm. Traditionally, the fertilizer, the artificial fertilizer was put on, manure was spread, um, and, uh, and, and that was the system. Um, it was sprayed uh, uh, at least once a year for the weeds, as it were, in inverted commas, and, and that was it. And, and um, when, when I took over, as I say, took responsibility in, in the, um, the late 1980s for, for, the, for the farm, um, my feeling was to cut right back on the inputs. Um, 
I, I didn't like the idea of spraying. Uh, I, I thought we should be able to manage our, our um, you know, our, our docks and our nettles and our, our ragweed and, and those other weeds that were on the farm. Um, and I didn't like the idea of constantly um, uh, focusing in on, on artificial and, and, and spreading to, to increase the amount of grass. So I, I tried to, to manage and farm to improve clovers, to reduce the, the, the types of, of uh, docks that we would have on the land. But then to take in other, other land, to if I was going to farm in a, in a less intensive way, uh, I would need more land to, to carry the numbers of cattle that, that I would want. So the first area that came up was a, a large area of land at a, at a site called the Eco Centre, which is owned by Ballymena Council in Northern Ireland. It's a, a floodplain area, floods quite often during the, the, the winter months. Um, it, it's um, an area of, of fairly unimproved grassland. It, it was purchased for the council at the millennium, so it's, it's been in their hands for a long time. And it's, it's a pretty good diverse area with rivers, bits of woodland, and with, um, uh, as I say, the, the, the flood meadows there. And I started grazing there. It's a public site, so the public are, are, have access to the site both through paths and also in areas where they can walk through the fields. And, um, and uh, it, it's, it's grazed at about um, one livestock unit per hectare there. Um, the other site then that, that came in more recently is our, our Ulster Wildlife um, Trust. The, the, the local wildlife trust have um, 120 hectares of um, an area of special scientific interest on the fringe of Belfast in the Belfast Hills. Again, another publicly visited site where people can can walk through and around the site, and um, but it's high. It is exceptionally high nature value area. It's uh, one of the best areas of purple moorgrass, rush pasture, nine species of orchid, marsh fertility wow. butter, button, uh, marsh fertility butterflies present. Um, the third best site for wax caps, which are little uh, indicator fungi in in all of ireland so it's a it, it's an exceptional site and uh, and it's a joy to to have the cattle grazing up there um i i, I see it almost as a as a natural apocryphy they, they 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 can go through the site and graze and there's so many herbs that are growing there naturally that uh, it does tend to keep them pretty healthy and and yeah. uh, our grazing is, is is focused up there um and then this year i took on grazing of a a, a small wet woodland uh, and grassland site on the shores of Loch Ney. Um, I have uh, I facilitate an environmental farming scheme down there for the Loch Ney partnership and I, I was keen to take on a site to get um, first-hand experience of the sort of land that the farmers who would be in our, our farming group would be managing but also to use as a focus area where different farmers can come and see the issues and problems of invasive species of um, the rapid flooding of uh, of how to, to to look at and look after and and have discussions about the 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 issues and, and uh, challenges of managing this sort of land. Okay, um, you've enthusiastically adopted new technology on the farm in in the, in the form of renewable energy. Uh, tell us more about that because it, it seems to fit in very well with the rest of your business and and your your whole ethos. It, it does, yeah. The the um, so, so a few years ago, 2016, I decided that uh, I would I would have a look at the the whole question of uh, of alternative 
energy and uh, I looked at uh, investment in windmill in and around the area where we are. We're still very close to Northern Ireland Civil Airport. And so uh, that wasn't going to be an option at all of, of uh, building up a large windmill. Yes. Um, and, and, and so uh, looked at solar and uh, we, we have um, one cattle shed which faces south-southwest. And uh, I felt that if I put um, an additional link onto that shed and sloped it down at a particular angle, um, I could fit 80 solar panels onto the roof of the shed. Uh, 80 panels uh, gives you a 20, uh, 20 um, kilowatt uh, output. Um, and I decided that that would be something that I would go for. And I'm quite happy to talk about the, the, the investment in that. Um, it was um, around £20,000 to to put up the shed, to mm-hmm. do the infrastructure that was needed with the electricity supply, to buy the, the units um, and, and to install them. Um, I, I got... Uh, I was, rocks were available still at that stage, the renewable obligation certificates, yeah. and they're available for 20 years in terms of the, the, the contract that you sign. There's a 20% um, reclaim on, on tax from the investment, um, and I'm getting uh, £3,500 a year from rocks and from feed-in of, of surplus energy and saving about 1000 a year on our own electricity bill domestically and on the farm. And what I also run a, a cable to um, to a bungalow of a relative and uh, sell them the electricity directly. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're very close by. So um, as of September this year, as of the start of this month, we have now cleared the, the investment in that. Um, and, and so it's a, I see it as, a, as um, you know, just in terms of economics, mm-hmm. it was a really good investment. Mm-hmm. But, but my ethos is uh, reducing my carbon footprint it's about the, the, the whole kind of uh, environmental side of things. And to think now for the next 16 years, uh, I'll be helping to very much balance my investment by having a, a little bit of profit in, in, in the situation as well. That's, that's, I just love the fact that I'm farming sunshine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on, that, on that personal level, um, what have you found most personally rewarding um, in terms of the things that you've, you've done for nature and your land? It's, it's a question that, that I've, I've thought about a lot. Um, Irish hares have, have always been an, an important thing around this part of the world. The, the Old Nuts Corner airfield had very large, in inverted commas, herds of, of Irish hares in the land. And I've grown up knowing about them. So ensuring that the Irish hare, which has been under pressure, and, and other farm uh, indicator species of, of farmland in Northern Ireland, have been able to carry on existing on my farm are, are important to me. And some species have come back. Grasshopper warbler, for instance, is a priority species to come back onto the farm. I think that that, that, that has been rewarding. But I think, and, and, and when I was thinking of it, I think most of all, it's just the, the, the welfare of my cattle and the way in which they thrive through the system that I'm farming. And the welfare of the land, the fact that, I feel that it's being well looked after now that I'm doing my bit for it makes me feel good about it. And so um, it's a bit like the, there was um, there's a book that some of some folk will know. Ray Kinsella wrote a book called Field of Dreams. Kevin Costner w- was in the film. And uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a bit of a crazy story about a, an Iowa farmer 
um, building a if you, build, if you build it they will come that if one. you build it they will come and so that's the line that I like to think on the farm mm. is that by by you know the husbandry and, and and the way in which a nature friendly farmer looks after their land if you build it they will they will come the, mm. the, the wildlife does come back again now clearly not every you know you'll not get corn creeks back if there aren't corn creeks in an area no. um, or curlew back if there aren't enough curlew but for those main species that 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 occur that are indicators of of um of biodiversity and and of good farming practice i think that that's the bit that i like the best and feel the warmest feeling about and and at the same time that i look at my paycheck or or, or not my paycheck my bank balance and it's not in the red those are the two <laughs> things that are, that are very important yeah yeah, yeah okay um one thing that I wanted to ask, you know, I, I've done a few um, environmental improvements on our farm lately that have resulted in a very obvious increase in wildlife. And I know Ben's done a lot more than me in this regard on his farm too. And I'm pretty sure he would agree with this. Um, it, it's been very therapeutic. And I've taken real joy from it. Now, in, in an industry that has such well-documented mental health issues, is this an opportunity to help, uh, even if it's just in a small way with that, do you think? It, it it must be um and and you know i i worked in a in a job in, in the city in belfast uh, my my job in the environment agency had changed over the years to one where i was involved in in policy and finance and staff management mm-hmm. and uh, getting home in the evenings to go out and walk around the farm um uh, and and check my cattle and be with them and 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 to walk the land is something that that i i treasured and and do treasure i know my family are the same my, my, my wife and my children are the same within that you know it is something that 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 we have the ability to do farming in areas where um there is public access has opened my eyes to the ways in which different people um who might meet on on the land there are are using the land mm-hmm. and there are a couple of very interesting stories there um at Balamina, where I've I've been grazing now for over ten years, I see people stock watching. They 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 know my cattle on the farm, and I've got a little network now built up of people that that I've got to know, who count the cattle, who will text who will text me and tell me that they're you know all nine are there today, yeah. um all fifteen are in that field. Um, you've one standing out on its own. You maybe need to have a close look. Uh, it's, I've noticed it today. It's it's not there. And even one guy who said one of your animals, its its eyes gone all white, um, and uh, I think there's something wrong with it. And and uh, you know he'd spotted pink eye in the in, in in the animal, and and it's got to the stage with that where I don't actually have to go and see my cattle every day in that site because <laughs> I know if 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 that's two or more yeah. uh, tell me that they're all there, yeah. I know that that that's that that everything's clear, Brilliant. and I know that they're getting something from that. You know, they wouldn't do that if if they didn't feel good about it. No. Um, so 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 that that's a nice thing. But also, and, and I'll just give you a little example. It was it's, it actually brought a tear to my eye when I met the man. One night I was up checking an animal that, that I thought was quite close to calving up on the site on the, the edge of the Belfast Hills. And I saw someone walking out across a field. It was on the edge of dark. It was very late. It was on the edge of dark. And I thought, I don't know what's going on there. So I went over to see what, what it was. And it was a man, and I got chatting to him, and he was in his um, mid-80s, and he was walking over the land. And 
I sort of thought, well, what on earth are you doing? Very fit guy for his 80s. You know, I said, what, what are you doing up here? And he said, well, he said, my wife died about 25 years ago. And uh, I was very lonely. And uh, I was sitting in the house at night. And I just thought, I've got to get out and start walking. And he said, I come up into the hills here. And I've been walking ever since. And I just walked to forget. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lovely feeling that, that yeah. he had an empathy for the hills. He was up. He was surrounding himself with nature. He then went on, we've become friends since, and he's gone on to tell me about the animals and the the plants that he sees when he's up and how much he enjoys it. But quite a few people that I've met have similar stories to that, that that there have been issues or times when just getting away and out and and being outdoors in an area where they feel safe but also are, are engaging with nature, the environment and the farm. Are, are very, very important to them. And I think through COVID, we've seen that. The, 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 the way in which when people were locked down, the, the awareness and the joy that, that wildlife and nature and the countryside brought to them and the desire to get back out there again after the restrictions were lifted has been something that, that has just reinforced in me how important the role that we play with mm. the landscapes that we look after and have responsibility for and the, 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 the uh, countryside. I think that's um, shown me just how important a job we have to maintain that. And, and isn't it wonderful that people have made that reconnection again or it's reinforced the connection that was always there? Mm. I mean, Northern Ireland has gained a lot of exposure lately as a tourist destination with with several movies being filmed there, um, and perhaps most famously the wildly successful TV series Game of Thrones, uh, with several stunning locations being featured, it would seem that farmers have a huge role to play in that, as, as you've just been saying, in terms of uh, landscape, um, landscape management. Um, so by enhancing the natural environment around them, they'll be contributing massively to the wider economy. How important do you think that is, um, especially perhaps in a post-COVID world where we'll all need to play a part in driving the recovery process? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's uh, taken, I think it's taken Northern Ireland um, by surprise how surprised people have been that we live in a beautiful place here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, we've, um, we've been very fortunate. I mean, Ireland is an island, which is off an island, which is off a continent. We sit on the western uh, fringes of Europe, um, and it's a, it's a beautiful country. It's, it's lush. We get uh, our fair share of rainfall, sunshine, and, but we don't maybe get it as cold and, 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 and uh, as harsh in winter times as the rest of Europe does. Mm. And as a result of that, we've got a very verdant, lush landscape. Uh, it's something which um, uh, traditionally our farming uh, people have been, have been nurturing and looking after, and we've a, we've a pride in it. We went through a phase where maybe people didn't feel attracted or welcome here, and, and that shifted dramatically o- over the course of the, the last number of years, the last 10, 15 years or, or more. And, and whenever movies and, and um, holiday shows, and indeed Mo Farah, as he did this weekend, ran mm-hmm. a half marathon along the, the north coast of Northern Ireland, that brings to the attention of people that there is a beautiful countryside here to come to. So what opportunities does that bring? Well, as more people are coming along, the opportunities for our, our, um, our food and, and, and our produce in terms of 
um, food trips within within Lochney Partnership. I know that they had organised just recently a whole series of events where you would go around different farms and different locations and farm shops and restaurants sampling the local produce. So you so that that little holiday scheme was growing in popularity and was attracting people to come in and and have a foodie holiday. And 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 that obviously helps the economy and the mm-hmm. farmers with their produce. There's also the, um, the the whole aspect of, of of the staycation for for this year and maybe into the future. The, the, this this will be more so, and the stunning landscapes that that we have here and and anywhere you drive, we're we're not um, we don't have sort of big conurbations. Belfast is the biggest, but it's not that big. And really, driving anywhere throughout Northern Ireland and 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 further afield in, in, into the whole of the island um, is is a joy. The, the 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 landscape is very welcoming and and very open, as are the people. So, um, pe- farming farmers are taking advantage of that. I know within NFFN, at least one of our our committee members has just broken ground and is developing um, camping and glamping pods on on his land. And uh, we see examples of that all over the place where, where more and more farmers are, are um, becoming aware of the fact that people and visitors would like to spend a little bit of time on a farm enjoying the countryside and enjoying their countryside. And uh, farmers are maybe beginning to step a little bit away from that sort of um, their own sort of uh, uh, biosecure lockdown feelings of, well, People have complained about our industry and the way in which we're we're not doing a lot for for nature and wildlife over the years. Um, now people are talking about how well we've looked after the landscape and the countryside, and and maybe just beginning to make that turnaround to say, well, if I welcome people in, it'll be good for my business. The the um, diversifying is is always a positive thing. There's then opportunities for people who are coming onto the farm to avail of produce either from the farm or locally. And uh, I think it can only be a good thing. And I think it's going to increase. Uh, one thing I, I should ask you about, actually, uh, seeing as this is the Nature Friendly Farming Network podcast, is your involvement with uh, the Nature Friendly Farming Network. The various organisations that, that, are, that are around RSPB, Ulster Wildlife, uh, from the Wildlife Trusts, the likes of the Woodland Trust, I've had a very strong feeling for all of them in terms of, of what they do. But as a farmer, the Nature Friendly Farming Network is a perfect fit for the interest that I have because it's about making sure that people with a similar interest can share their experiences and their knowledge, can encourage others to get involved and give them the confidence and the, the um, uh, guidance that, that, that they can work within that. And that um, there's um, an underpinning and underlying all of that is the fact that, that we're businessmen and business families, and we should be ensuring that, that we don't go too far in, in any direction, that we, we balance it all, understanding that it has to be about productivity. And so I, I was very, very glad to get involved with, with Nature Friendly Farming Network. And I think having sort of got to the stage that I am in life, having gone through various experiences within Northern Ireland Environment Agency, it's, it's a nice thing and a nice time to give something back to an organisation that is helping to promote that. And if we can encourage others to take steps to um, be proud of the nature they have on their farm and to enhance it a little bit, 
and maybe through the membership to act as catalysts within an area that maybe neighbours or others will spread out and an economy of scale or an increase of scale will come in and some more connectivity can come about, that would be a lovely thing. I would see that as a lovely thing to happen with, with, within our landscapes. Hmm. Where would you like to be in 10 years' time? I'd like to still be here. <laughs> 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 and and I yeah. think, I think uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't mean that uh, sort of uh, in a way. I think, I think a lot of us, uh, this whole... Um, Kind of episode that we've all lived through mm. has focused very much on 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 both our mortality but also how precious life is yeah. and and I think within that my feeling is that that i I have appreciated even more just how fortunate we are as as a farming community um with the responsibility and the opportunities that that, that we have so so when I'm saying I, I, I want to be here, I want to be here as in the place where I am now with with um, looking after nature, being nature friendly, being viable as a farmer, producing the, the, the crops that we produce. Um, changes that I would like to make or, or, or species that I would like to see maybe around the farm more. I'd love to have a barn owl come nest in the barn owl box that we have up. Um, and, uh, you know, we haven't had that. I've got swift boxes up uh, around the house that I put up four years ago, and I religiously play the calls during the season. And uh, we've had starling and blue tit or, or red tit nests in the boxes, but no swifts yet. So I'd love to be in a place where both the barn and the swift boxes were, were there. Um, and um, just to, to maybe, maybe one day see a, 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 a butterfly orchid appear in one of our fields where we've been farming for a long time would just be an icing on the cake but but really you know for the for the the inexorable process of 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 change for the for the positive sustainable side of farming to to have increased generally across the countryside would be something i'd be very very keen to see and and i think back whenever i was talking first of all to my uncle about my thoughts about conservation on the farm he would have looked at me very much askance and thought how on earth could could we ever have room? We've got to farm. We've got to improve. We've got to you know do things. And I'd like to think with him around now. You know where he around now. He would be proud of the way in which on the farm where we've we've rebalanced a bit, and that and that there is more space for nature, and that we're still making a living out of the farm. And I'd like to think that as we move forward. Some of the thoughts that 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 the next generation, my children have in terms of maybe that I haven't gone far enough. I thought I'd done quite a lot, but you know they 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 may have other ideas as to as to how we could make other improvements. And uh, and uh, as I said earlier, I I probably as a conservationist back 30, 40 years ago was seen as a as a very strange individual with strange ideas. And I think now that my daughter and and the fact that she is is um, considering uh, she's a vegan and is looking at at, at uh, that whole side of her life, um, that that would be seen as being something very acceptable within within the way in which we design and farm uh, into the future. So that's that's I think that's where I, I'd like to be. Um, more of the same with uh, with working towards. Uh, improvements and carrying on what we're doing 
Michael, it's been fantastic to speak to you. One, one of the nice things about this podcast is hearing the enthusiasm uh, in the people we speak to, his voices when they talk about nature and the environment. And um, you've been a great example of that today. Um, it's been really, really inspiring stuff. So keep up the great work. Um, thank you for taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed the chat. Thank you also for listening. Um, We hope that you've enjoyed this latest episode of the Nature Friendly Farming Network podcast. Please spread the word on social media. And if you get a chance, rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening, as that's a really big help. Um, The podcasts are released on the first and third Wednesdays of each month and are available in all the usual places. Please let us know if there's anything you want us to hear about in the nature-friendly farming world to ask our guests. But in the meantime, stay safe and we hope to see you all next time.